Let's just update what's happening in sport for tyre power. Buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at tyre power. In the cricket, uh, there is a the first of the uh, one-day internationals being played, a day-nighter between Australia and New Zealand. Uh, Australia need 233 to win and currently are four for 44. Carry on 10, Stoinis on five, another failure for Aaron Finch. Four for 44 in the 12th over. They need 233 as the target to take off the first ODI against the Kiwis up there in Cairns. Daniel Ricciardo's admitted that he would be open to taking a reserve driver's role with one of Formula One's top teams in 2023 and believes he can get back to winning ways despite his current adversity. In the tennis, and we're about to welcome uh, Rob Kildare, uh, Carlos Alcarez has cemented his status as the next big thing in men's tennis with an extraordinary US Open victory of a former champion, Martin Cilic. Uh, Alcarez booked his spot in the quarters. Uh, he won 6-4, 3-6, 6-4, 4-6, in a gruelling tussle that ended well after 2 a.m. in New York. In fact, for the first time in almost 20 years, none of the world's four biggest players in international tennis will feature in the quarterfinals of the Grand Slam. And that was after Francis Tiafo pulled off the biggest upset win of his career when he disposed of second-seeded Rafael Nadal, 6-4-4-6-6-4-6-3, to reach the US Open quarterfinals. But we're excited about uh, Nick Kyrgios and Isla Tomlanovic. And to discuss it is a man that has lived and breathed tennis all his life. He's my go-to man when it comes to tennis here in WA a player, a coach, and a mentor for many a tennis player. I'm talking about Rob Kilderry, and I welcome him to drive with Peter Vlahos on this Tuesday. Rob, thanks for your time. No worries, Pete. I've got plenty of that. <laughs> uh, amazing, isn't it, when you look at the quarterfinals of the US Open, and, of course, it'll play out overnight and in the early hours of tomorrow morning our time. Nick Kyrgios, yeah. Isla Tomlanovic. It's exciting for Australian tennis on the back end of the disappointment of losing Ash Barty to retirement. Well, it's been quite refreshing to see Nick's behaviour, I guess, would be a fair comment. Um, I think he may be starting to mature, I hope, because he's so talented. And Isla's done a terrific job winning two tough matches, and particularly the one against Serena, which was a great effort because Isla's showing terrific uh, temperament under pressure. I mean, it looks as though she just doesn't worry about pressure at the moment. She's just winning all those tough points and tough games, going for 20 minutes, stuff like that. So her mental approach has been fantastic. It has been uh, incredible. And her rise up the, uh, the tennis rankings and her profile has happened all of a sudden. Uh, we know she's been playing well for the last 12 months, but this is now a really good chance for her to not only go past the quarters, but really maybe into the final four and even a Grand Slam final. Has she got the game to do that, do you think, Rob? If you were talking about last year when Ash Barty was around a few of those players, I wouldn't have thought she would. But now at the moment, the, the field is even out unbelievably. I mean, she lacks nothing in comparison to the opponents that she's going to face. I think Ons Jabeur may be tough because Jabeur's obviously been training. I mean, when she played at maybe Wimbledon, she looked really... Didn't look fit to me. A bit heavy on her feet. But now I look at her and I think, my gosh, she's been really training hard. I can see the movement better, uh, serves better, everything seems better, and she's getting to every ball, which is a bit different. So 
Isla will have a tough job, but Isla will face face her right up and say, "Well, you're going to beat me. You're going to have to work hard to beat me because I'm I'm not giving in." You know, and that that's be a good. Uh, Isla's doing a really really good job, and I think she's learned from the other girls that you've got to be able to hit the ball hard. Unless you hit the ball hard and in, like Sabalenka, who really, you know, how could you pick where she's going to hit it? She just tees off on every ball, and it's very hard to match up against people that really hit it hard. And so Isla's come that way, and now she's so long and to hit the ball hard too, and I'll, I'll be just as good as you are. No, she's so certainly she's a very good. exciting prospect for Australia here in the final uh, Grand Slam tournament of the year. What about Nick Kyrgios? He's come out and said he doesn't want to let his team down, yet his team has been in the firing line in the players' box uh, in, in most matches. I think we are seeing a bit more of maturity for Nick and even the way he's addressing his game and what he's saying at the press conferences suggests this is his best chance mentally and physically in the way the draws opened up to maybe win his first Grand Slam. What do you like about his game? Well, number one, he's got the best first serve in the world. My, my only question for Nick is if he misses his first serve, like you could look at the score at the end of a match with Nick playing Karchanov and you look at the percentage of second serves won or lost. I just forget the first serve for the moment. If Nick wins 60% of his second serves and Karchanov won 50, Nick won. Like Medvedev lost the Australian and he served ace after ace after ace and he had one game against the Dar where he missed his first serve three or four times, dropped his serve, lost the match. So Nick's got to keep up his percentage of first serves. And if he misses his first serve, he's got to really come in with a good second serve, which doesn't mean a double fault, which means he's going to have to put Karchanov under pressure with his second serve because that will be the key. If he's getting his first serve, and obviously the game's going to go over in about 40 seconds. But, so that'll be the key for the match for both of them. So if Karchanov misses his first serve, Nick's going to tee off. Well, he should tee off on his... Because uh, Nick's ground strokes off, the, his backhand off the ground is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And if he gets any time to hit the ball off his forehand, he's going to hit a winner. The big one for Nick is that if Karchanov serves a lot to his forehand, he can't just block it back. He's got to hit it. That's getting a bit technical, but I, I think Nick's temperament... I think he's starting to look at himself and think, God, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to fix it. I'm going to show people that I'm, I'm not like that. The thing I worry about with Nick is if one thing goes wrong, you only get 25 seconds break between points. A ball or someone like that would just spend that 25 seconds, oh, I lost that point, I'll do this, I'll do that, and he'd be sorting out how to solve a problem. And if Nick's just blowing off of his box and screaming or going and doing whatever, arguing with the umpire, He's losing the importance of that relaxation in between points. So in a five-set match, he's going to be mentally tired, or even a four-set match, which goes to three or four hours. So he's got to try and not be mentally tired. In other words, ignore what just happened, get ready for the next point. And he's a real crowd puller, isn't it? The crowd just love going to watch Nick Kyrgios play. Mate, the young kids we coach all love to watch Nick Kyrgios. Really? It's a bit like World Championship Wrestling, mate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what's coming next, you know, and the crowd will get behind. I mean, he'll be the crowd favourite. Uh, I don't care what happens. He'll be the crowd favourite unless he's playing an American, of course. And so he's got more variety. And, I mean, that shot between his legs, it's just showtime. And that's what it is. I mean, you can't, theoretically, you can't win a point by hitting between your legs. But my thing with Nick is that he's got to make sure he returns second serves and hits the ball rather than just blocking it back. 
you know, he's got to put pressure on the guy from that point of view because I don't think his forehand's as good as his backhand. He never misses the backhand. I mean, he's solid. I mean, if he gets easy volleys, he's okay. Well, I don't think he's a great volley or if he gets a difficult volley. So he actually is probably not going to come into the net on anything because I'm not sure about how well he volleys. He'll do a flash volley, but I'm not sure if his basics are good. So he probably won't be relying on that. He'll be relying on hitting good shots off, off the baseline, never miss a backhand, and... When he gets his ball hit, he's smacking off his forehand. So that's his game plan, I think. Rob Kildare, we're talking about tennis. Rob, we saw the end of the Serena Williams reign. Her days are over. What an incredible career, 23 grand slams. I know you've uh, coached and you've watched and you've been involved uh, over a number of generation of tennis player. Of course, in New York, they thought she was the greatest of all time. How did you see Serena's career? And if you were bold enough to predict where he, she sits, where would she sit in the all-time greats? Well, in the modern era, she's done well. But you can't dismiss what Margaret Court's done. I mean, Margaret not only won singles, she won doubles and mixed doubles mm. in the same tournaments. So she, I think she had about 62 Grand Slam titles. I don't think it's probably fair to compare eras. Serena was tough to beat, obviously, but keep in mind Sam Stowe's a better final of the US Open. So, you know, they all have their wins and losses. It's always been thrown up about the open era, that is, when it wasn't open and when it was open. Can you explain the difference? In the, we call it the amateur era, everyone played. There was a five-year gap between about 62 and 68 where a guy like Rod Laver couldn't play uh, in tournaments. But he won the four tournaments in 60, and all the Grand Slam, I think it's about 62, came back in 68 and still won all the four tournaments. So it's just that certain players in that era weren't allowed to play because they were, uh, if you were a coach, you were doing the professional. You, know, mm-hmm. like you couldn't play in those that five years. So outside of that five years, everyone's been able to play in every tournament. When they say the open area, it just means everyone's playing. And everyone played up to 62 and after 68. So it was just that five years in between. You were deemed to be a professional if you played for money or whatever it was. So I don't see much difference in the who was available to play. I just think, like all sports, the, the techniques get better, the consistency and the power gets bigger, the rackets have changed. OK, that's, that's like all sports. But I think from the point of view of Serena, she beat everyone that played in her era, the same as Margaret did. Margaret Court was the first one that brought in the physical side of tennis. Like, she trained like they train now. She was way ahead of the game, her physicality. Her range of shots, like, she'd only slice the backhand pretty well. Whereas these girls really hit heavy top swim backhand, bigger serves... Probably don't volley as much, but if you watch Borg play McEnroe, it's like an A-grade pennant match. It's just very slow hitting, you know? So mm-hmm. it's just everything keeps evolving and someone comes up with something different, like they're going to be able to hit top spin backhands down the line, whatever it is, but they're adding and adding and adding. And speed before accuracy now, Pete. Everything in life evolves, including sport. I agree, Rob. But thanks for uh, having a chat with us. I really appreciate it, giving us a bit of an insight into where Kyrgios and Tomlanovic sit and also uh, that comment that was made regarding Serena Williams and where she sits uh, in the history of the great uh, sport of tennis. Thanks for your time, Rob. The only thing I was, Pete, I was disappointed in the fact that she didn't pay respect to Aya. Yeah, she didn't mention it at all in the uh, speech, did she? Which I thought was a bit disrespectful. I was disappointed in that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But Ayla Ayla spoke beautifully anyway, so that was good. Yeah, Yeah. good on you, mate. Thanks for your time. Good on you, fella. See you, boys. Bye.